too much. I, I went out to eat with, uh, oh, who the hell are they? Jonathan and my daughter. Uh, <laughs> and, and they had a big sign in the window of the restaurant, we don't do any third-party service. This means Grubhub and all those things. Yeah, Uber Eats and all those other ones, yeah. And I get in and I'm like, I'm not understanding what this is all about. Why would these guys give a shit one way or the other if Grubhub picks it up? Uh, what? Why would they care if you pick it up or Grubhub picks it up? And they both are like, because Grubhub picks it up and they demand a discount and then they charge you a fee. They yes. get a fee on both ends yes. of the thing. Yep, exactly. I'm like, what the f- Who came up with this schmucky plan? It's- How do you start <laughs> something up and say like, hi, we've founded Dude, a company so a we get a discount magnet. on everything. I have a fridge magnet that's probably 15 or 20 years old. For a company called Pony Express, it no longer yes. exists. Uh huh. That was Pony Express was <laughs> awesome up in Portland. Like, but how does it work? If you own a restaurant, you <coughs> sign up with Grubhub, yep, yep. and then you agree to some sort of ten percent discount that the driver gets. Yes. Well, the driver probably gets two percent, and the company gets eight percent, and then you know, well, the driver gets a tip. bullshit man. You, you end up tipping the driver. Um, they only take that you. You can't pay in cash. It'll. It's only in card. Yep. It's a mandatory tip that starts at 18 and goes up from there. Wait. And. This is the most. The menu prices aren't the same. I want to say it again. So, so the menu prices aren't the same either. So I generally. What? Whoa, whoa. Yeah, I generally use DoorDash instead of Grubhub because I like the company <laughs> a little bit better. It's just as fucked up. But um, it, what they do is there's the price of the food. Then you have the delivery fee of like three ninety nine, And then you have. A minimum tip of ten percent, but an obligation of minimum tip, and it's card only. Are these companies all founded by like government employees? <laughs> oh, dude, this sounds like the DMV. I mean, this they're founded this is by just this is clipping the best. you. <laughs> it's just clipping you on every single because th- obviously this is uh, so the best. You're this doing is- the menu through them, not through the restaurant. So you're saying that like. You know, you got a ten dollar item at the restaurant. They 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 do twelve dollars on their little it, representation. Possible. I'll give you for instance, on Taco Dash, Bell. I think the prices are about the same. Taco Bell soft tacos. You go through the drive through. It's going to be one price. You go to Grubhub. It's two dollars and two cents per taco. Now, you want to tell me where in the hell anybody? This is it, this is all legalized pot. <laughs> this is all legalized pot. And that's it's how not you get this. That system that's is way less of a this. sham. That's that how you is, get this. We, we were just bitching about all the fucking regulations and shit. That's how you I get this. Through. That's how you get this. That's why they legalized pot, <laughs> was the corporate interest going through it's this. crazy. You know, and then they said, oh, my God. Now that they're that's stoned, the, we can jump our prices. Right. That's what it was all about. That's what it was all about. That's what it was all. You know, it's like the gas station with the convenience store. They're not making any money on the gas. They're making it on selling you the fucking like little last last shitty hot dog that we were talking about. (laughs) That's what it's all about. You know, the movie theater makes the money on the popcorn, and nobody's making any money on pot. Sorry if you entered that little industry. (laughs) They're all making. You know what? You should have a you should have a a pot store with a grub hub thing. 
You should have a pot store with that's, like a grub. That's we already, what you we should do. do. That. That's we what do you should that. do. We deliver weed. <laughs> right. You, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you what have. What is, you should be you able to a, stop at Taco Bell as well. No, you have a oh, weed. no, no, no. You have a weed taco no, stand. You, you can't do that because of the all the legislation shit. Right, but, the, you but can't, this would the be the legal, business model. The legal, legal, legal bill. You can't do that because you're not a bazillionaire. I'll tell you something. If Elon Musk wanted to do that, he'd make more money than off this space bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. I that's think that's something working pretty good for him. Seems to be getting him attention at least, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to open that up. I'm going to have like a pot store, and we're just a you know, we just happen to have a taco stand right there's a next taco door. truck right there. yeah you can't do that yeah 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 joe joe and hunter biden shared a bank account you i can can't. do it with the pot throw god damn it don't <laughs> tell me i can't do it <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever you can put up a girl scout cookie stand in front of a pot shop if the pot shop's cool with it that's fine uh-huh. there you go there you go i've got my ben pot Dunn. shop and a, and a taco <laughs> truck yeah, there you go. And the taco See, truck just happens to be run by my brother, John, who just happens to just show up here every single day, and that's the only place he shows up. And we do takeout for him because, like, you know, John wants us to do takeout for him. So we do it. And no. and it so happens no. that it's 500 Thank tacos you, spread give two us at a time. Thank you, sir. Give us your license. I'm going to run a pirate pot store. <laughs> It's going to be even They harder. call that the black all right, market. All right. that, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they call that the black exactly. market. Well, that's the only way anybody's making any money. Now, now you're moved back to all the way to 1994. All right. Let's just go into this. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone else, and everyone else listening, we are Ruined Heroes, a weekly, free, and self-produced podcast wherein the three of us irreverently discuss a topic of societal renown. I, Tyler, study like a guy who might let you camp in his yard. John. No, you can't check my receipt. <laughs> and Rupert. I might sound abrupt, but like the Manson family entering Sharon Tate's house, eventually you like what you see. It's twice that it has come up in less than three hours for me. That's creepy. Please subscribe and leave good yeah, ratings. Yeah, might have been a little rough. I <laughs> leave good ratings that. and reviews on whatever podcast feed you get us through. It's free for you. It helps us out with the whatever the systems, <laughs> whatever. exposure systems and stuff. To interact with us, we are Ruined Heroes Pod at Gmail, as well as easily found on Facebook and Twitter, where you get weekly hints. Say hi, take a guess. We like when you did. I stumped them last week. That made Twitter, me like, like, yeah, Elon Musk company. Oh, Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, if you would like to get extra content and support the cost of the show, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash ruined heroes and get extra content starting at just a buck a month. There are some upper tiers. There is now officially so steak rude. dinner level. <laughs> oh, we actually have steak dinner level. We have one more than steak dinner level. So we've got 200 bucks. Okay. And we will not release an episode for one week after the payment clears. Oh, <laughs> if but, you pay us $200, we don't broadcast. Yes. yes. This is brilliant. We're going to make a fortune. <laughs> but for $250, yeah. it's the fuck you were putting it out anyway level or some shit. I don't remember what I called it. The veto. I think it's the veto level. So if we, nice. somebody pays us 200 bucks to, get to not s- release one, somebody else- can pay 250 bucks to veto that. <laughs> We've got 450 bucks and just keep on going as normal. We should put this on eBay. I'm, 
<laughs> get a, I think get we kind of just did. Bidding war we put us on eBay is what we did. <laughs> so I done did what y'all asked. There is the five. Do we have any level that's a date five, with us? The no. Five, uh, the five dollar level is also up, and if I remember, that is going to be. God, I better remember on Sunday. Then I'm gonna start posting the show notes. So if you want to read the show notes. Uh, along with the show, if you're that kind of oh, weirdo. You're going to need to buy a printer because it's going to be better if you have little <laughs> scrolls in the margins. Uh, it does say that there's only notes available for the ones that I do because I don't have digital copies of the ones you do. So well, we need to, like, put – I don't know. I think we should get back. I liked it when we I, – I still print them and put little notes, little marginalia yeah, in there and stuff. And that's what adds to the value. I, I quit doing that. So anyway, wow. yeah, big, big changes going over on Patreon. Go check it out. Again, patreon.com slash ruinedheroes. There are links in the show notes to do that, as well as on our website, ruinedheroes.com, <coughs> where you can also find older episodes. Thank you to those who, you, who do give. It, it's cool. We dig it. Makes it fun. Thank you. Thank you. You rock. So Wait, we still have, like, the level where we, like, mention your name if you want it, right? Yeah, you get that for two bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Two bucks a month. We'll say your name. Buck a month, you get to just listen to that obscene, weird-ass shit we put out there. Uh, anyway, Hantro. The, the pre-dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even if it's pre-dinner. It's more like listening to somebody drive to the dinner. It's like listening to that, the, uh, that one-sided talk that each of us have when we drive over here. Fuck, do I really want to do this? I already know what the goddamn topic is. I, I know what the topic is. I don't want to do this topic today. Dude, I have that conversation with myself when I'm coming home to do this. Uh-huh. So anyway. Oh, please. You love doing this. Intro. This is a highlight of everybody's week. Pretty much, Apple and Dell are the only ones in this industry making money. They make it to be, or they make it by being the topic. We make it by innovation. Steve Jobs said that. I can reread it in the context of you knowing that it was Steve Jobs if that help. Yeah. Okay, I'll read it again now that you know that it's Steve Jobs. Pretty much, Apple and Dell are the only ones in this industry making money. They make it by being the topic. We make it by innovation. Home computers. No. no. At the topic... If you could explain an idea or a concept in simple terms on one page of paper, the founder, name redacted, considered the new idea too complimented or too complicated to implement. Wait, it's just like Michael Bergdahl said that. I don't know. Who Michael Bergdahl so are we doing the founder? Wait, kind of. I don't know. We I'm discussed. Really we discussed the founder. We're doing a thing, and the founder is, an, is necessary definitely part a big, of it. Yes, well said. The World Wide Web. John said. Not Al Gore. No. And no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I can't tell. Like, because like you've, it, you're on point. Sort of shifted. Like, are we doing like this sort of abstract concept or a person? It's not computers. A, a person is part of it, but it is. Fuck it, it's a business entity. So, and a person is a necessary. Oh, part. I got, I got two more, and okay. it, it should probably give it away. Uh, OSHA <laughs> cited 
cited the topic for, quote, inadequate crowd management following the November 28, 2008 death of an employee at its Valley Stream, New York store. The worker died of asphyxiation after he was knocked to the ground and trampled by a crowd of about 2,000 shoppers who surged into the store for its annual Blitz Friday pre-holiday sales event. What, what year was that? 2008. Are we doing the smartphone? No. I, I, I don't know. I'm so, surprised you haven't gotten there. All so, right. Well, this somehow is, this is just like all over the place for me. So This is said by the founder. If you think about it from the point of view of the customer, you want everything. A wide assortment of quality merchandise, the lowest prices possible prices, guaranteed satisfaction, friendly, knowledgeable service, convenient hours, and a pleasant shopping experience. You love it when a store exceeds your expectations, and you hate it when a store inconveniences you, gives you a hard time, or pretends you're invisible. So we're doing a store now? I'm just retarded. I, I sorry. I'm like really tired. I just Sam Walton said that. Walmart. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Yes, and Sam Walton is a business a necessary entity, part. A necessary. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell if we were doing a person or a concept or. A store. I can understand why I, it I, tossed I, you around a little bit. It, but it just did. It's, it, it's mostly my fault. I'm just really kind of well worn out. You're mixed. See, that's what it feels like to feel uh, think like a stripper. That's what that's exactly what a stripper. Feels. Yeah, it's so if I actually made something, I would just like <laughs> go out and shake my twat. And... All right, bear with me. There's a billion sources. Uh, CorporateWalmart.com, so their official site. Britannica.com, CecilBuffington.com, TheStreet.com, two different Wikipedia pages, and Grunge.com. Thank you. <coughs> Pardon me. Born Samuel Moore Walton on March 29, 1918, in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, to parents Thomas Gibson Walton and Nancy Lee Walton. At the time, Dad was a farmer, but that was proving difficult in the pre-Dust Bowl era, so Dad took up a new job as a mortgage broker in his brother's firm, Walton Mortgage Company, a subsidiary of Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. A large part of his job became foreclosing on farms during the Great Depression. So... That's got to be a charming fucking job. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, surprised, like there weren't m- more like you know standoffs with that, where like a, a hundred people got shot trying to repossess this. Farm. One of the really popular things to do was have the whole neighborhood show up for the auction and build, bid like a penny on everything, mm-hmm. and then sell it back to the farmer or give it back to the farmer. Yeah. That was a cool... I like that component. That version of Resistance really made me happy. Yeah, I don't think that would happen these days. So, anyhow, Walton was an average student, if not just a touch better, and the family moved around a few times. He became the youngest Eagle Scout in Missouri while still in the eighth grade. So that's, what, 11, 12, 13, 13, 14, something like that. In the eighth grade? Yeah. Yeah, probably 14. 13, 14. Uh, But, yeah, youngest Eagle Scout in Missouri at the time. Eighth grade? Yeah, so you're, 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 like, knowing 12, about. you're like 12. No. I don't know. Ninth when, grade is high school. Did you graduate at 16th? With that cranium, maybe. At 12 years? Uh, grade 12? I graduated at 17. Okay, so, so that I, would be 13 or 13. 14. So did I, actually. I have whatever. Whatevs. Whatevs. But, yeah, John did too, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
So right now, I wish I'd been left back for fifty times. So I can still go get school lunch and all that kind of thing. I want thing. my chocolate milk back. Put my head down. I want my chocolate milk and I want that hot buttered roll. You know, go to some like music lessons. Sit my desk in the hall. But yeah. I don't think it's like that, that anymore. Yeah. The one that you could, do, you could pick up, you could hide like your G.I. Joe action figures in. Yeah. Yeah, goddamn right. Fuck. Sounds so good right now. Like, <laughs> there are so many things that we could do with this. Yeah. Unfortunately, we would be. 50 years old. No, I don't care about getting laid. I don't care about oh getting laid. I, I, I wasn't going there. It would just be... I, uh, I just, just be Adam Sandler in a movie is all. Yeah. Yeah, I just... Do you want to be the star of an Adam Sandler movie? No. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. I, I you know what? kind of feel like I live it already. That's a life goal. I, yeah. Not you know mine. I mean? Good to have goals. It's good to have goals. So, so yeah, he was the youngest Eagle Scout in Missouri at the time. Uh, he would also tend to his chores the around best, the home. Best stereo in high school. Uh, he would. He would <laughs> yes, you would. He would help neighbors for money, and he would sell na- newspapers to help the family eat dur- throughout the Depression as his father was foreclosing on their neighbors' properties. Uh, as he entered college at University of Missouri, you miss for those blindside lovers, as an ROTC cadet, he joined a fraternity, ran a Bible study group, and apparently tapped or was tapped by the school's secret society. And in 1940, he achieved a degree in economics. You forgot where he sold his soul to Satan. Well, I mean, where's that coming up? I threw in Bible study and secret society and okay. shit. Like, right? Didn't I think I covered all that? Well, there was still the whole blood <laughs> open. Uh, if, you, if you're in a secret, the so- sacrifice of virgin, the Sharon Tate comment <laughs> earlier. If you're in a secret society in Missouri, that's some hardcore shit, man. Well, it was, it was apparently like the the skull and bones, and you missed. I didn't write down the name of it. Well, yeah, I know. I did find the name of it. It's not. It's in one of those sources. If you want to go find it, was it the trout and the corn cob? Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can guarantee you, there's a lot of sodomy involved. No, it actually sounded kind of like cooler. Skull and bones sounds like two twelve year olds came with a fucking idea, like right. It, it sounded cooler. <laughs> like I, if I remember, there may even been some Latin in it. You know. Well, you got to remember back when Skull and Bones was founded, Skull and Bones was like cool because like it wasn't overplayed, <laughs> you know. As you know, <laughs> it'd be like now founding something called like the Deaf, the Deaf, Deaf Down Club. You know, you, it's like lame because it's overplayed. You know, CV Park and fuck about How old is he? All right. Anyway. DEF down club. I, be, I know. It'd just Dude. be like really lame because nobody under forty got that joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And every equal opportunity. So immediately after graduating uh, college, he took a position with J.C. Penny, which is a Facebook hint. Uh, he stayed with them for almost two years, but left when he figured he was going to get inducted or inducted into the military for World War II. He served at Fort Douglas in Utah and helped supervise aircraft plans and prisoner of war camps. And I don't know how that goes together, but here's more of that selling your soul to the devil shit. Like, Wait, were we ask running? George, yeah, ask George Takai about Were we running World War POW II? camps yes. in yes. Utah? Yeah. Yes. So you get any Japanese American citizen was thrown into a camp. You didn't know about this shit. 
That's not a POW That's camp. what they that called it. That was an internment camp. That was an well, internment camp, as the colloquialism used. Well, yes. yeah, uh, do uh, you use the air quotes, okay? Uh, it's an internment <laughs> camp. A POW camp is a prisoner of war. That's what yeah. you capture on Okinawa. You fly them all the fuck back to Utah. That's why this country's in debt. Just just so you know, that kind of thinking. <laughs> you know, these are the that's how you get Grubhub. Either that or, you know, <laughs> that, it, it must have, it would have been a really convenient place to park the Mormons for a while. Your Mormon POWs? It would have been a good it, place for them. Aircraft plants as well. I don't, this, none of this computes in my Slave head. Slave labor. None of this computes in Slave my head. Slave labor. I, maybe. It, it's, uh. it's not pretty, right? In 1943, Walton married Helen Robeson on Valentine's <coughs> Day. Any relation? To? Paul Robeson. Don't know. Was she black? No. Didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, anyhow, they got married Old on... Man River. They got married on <laughs> Valentine's Day. They would have four kids and become well-known in their churches, not only for their gifts and money once they started becoming successful, but also for the time they gave before they did. So... Lots of time at the church. Man, these sound like people I hate. They're not people I would probably have nah, even nah, at the party, this much less the after party. This doesn't sound like any cool low-key hang. Yeah, these are nah. not generally my kind of folk. But nah. after the war ended, Walton took a $20,000 loan from his father-in-law, as well as about $5,000 he had saved up himself and purchased a Ben Franklin in Newport, Arkansas. You guys remember Ben Franklin's? I'm not like a hotel or something. No, it was a, like a five and dime. I remember Ben Franklin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, that's like really cool when like uh, you can just like pop up to your father-in-law Sorry, back in the 40s <laughs> and say, can I borrow $20,000? Which is the equivalent of $1 million in today's currency. But like... Like really, you're just like I'm gonna start a five and dying. Can you give me twenty grand? Like, yeah, how the fuck does that work? You're already fucking my daughter. I'm gonna get you twenty grand. Dowry. What are you crazy? He wants to make it's sure that his daughter doesn't go fucking broke. And maybe she was really ugly. I don't know. Didn't look it up. John could find her. I'm sure. So it's one of those stories where you like look hard enough, and you're like, yeah, yeah, he worked really hard. He was really smart. Granted, grant. Gr- oh, there's the twenty thousand dollars in the nineteen forties. <laughs> well, that's always going to happen, though. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's it always just, somebody it, it that's always like. But you to d- his credit, he managed to save five grand of his own. Yep. And that was while he was in the military fighting a war. Well, I mean, fighting in the war in Utah. <laughs> five grand is five grand isn't chump change back then. No, you know? no, that's that's the equivalent of a hundred thousand dollars in today's money. Yeah, a quarter of a house. Hundred thousand dollars. Quarter of a house. So yeah, uh, Walton was a pretty shrewd business owner, and within three years, made the store so successful that his landlord, P.K. Holmes, decided not to renew. I know, isn't <laughs> God, that so good? Really? Any relation? <laughs> no, oh, but okay. so funny. <laughs> like the timeline. It's really close. It, 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 like, it's really close. You just move and change two letters. Uh, but yeah, so the landlord, P.K. Holmes, that's exactly where I wrote that name, decided not to renew the lease so that he could ultimately give the location to his son and open a similar store in the same location. Yeah. Who? Who? Look, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
some shifty shit right there, man. This landlord worse. This landlord is like, I wanna give the store to my son. And then you got like the father in law who's like, Hey, here's twenty thousand dollars. Just if any of these people are still around or their heirs or somebody, if you want to adopt, I'm available. I'm just telling you. Like, you know, you wanna adopt and just give me a store, that's anywhere. cool. I'll be I'll be so down I'll go to you you give me a store, I will go to Utah. I'll be like MacArthur. I'll get out there with the sunglasses and the corncob pipe. I will be there. You give me a store because, like, I marry your chick or I'm, like, related you to you. You will never be able to have anal sex again. That uh, is the price you have to pay. Yeah, I could I could sort of, like, move there. I could, <laughs> you know, because, like, I'm in my 60s. Uh, All right. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I just... You're now Dude, actually having to sit there and do the pros and cons. So this it. shifty side of it, though, is like I'm not going to renew your lease because now it's a yeah. successful store, and I want to use uh-huh. that space to open the same store. Exactly. Right. Uh, so Walton ultimately got four hundred fifty thousand dollars for the inventory and fixtures from his dick landlord, and found a new location <laughs> in Bentonville, about two hundred twenty miles away. This is in 1950. So ten years later. So we're, we're, we're roughly 10 years, just to make the math easy. Yeah. He went from 25 grand invested into the store to being bought out lock, stock, and barrel at 450 mm-hmm. Even if he gave Fuck a 300% people. increase in return to his father-in-law, do a 300%. Fuck it. Call it 1000 You mad, bro? I'm looking for changing the couch cushions, and these fuckers again, people just throwing money their way. It's just like... So it's monies that we would consider nice today, four hundred and fifty grand would be a good chunk of change today. Yep, this is nineteen fifty. Yeah, but he had that's it's, the it's lock, stock, and barrel. It's, I mean, it's everything. Yeah, yeah I mean, and and like he had to give the name and everything. I, I don't know if he gave the actual name of the, but the building and the location and people just they left the stuff there, reopened the next day, and his fucking shiesty landlord and his kids started getting the money. That's that's not cool. So, four hundred fifty k. No, he took that, the, he some took the, some of that some hurt he, money. He I took think. the payment, right? He did. So so he moves up to Bentonville, which is about two hundred twenty miles away. He was quickly successful here as well. So he started thinking about opening a chain yeah. of stores. Four hundred fifty grand. It's only five million two hundred ninety seven thousand dollars in today's money. Yeah. So he figured only. The, He's, he's going to open chains. For our $300 Patreon level, you can join us in hating these people. <laughs> I, know, I think they get to do that for free. Yeah, maybe you get to do it for free. We will revisit a topic at the $300 Patreon level. Yeah. No, we won't. Just so you can chime in, too. Uh, so, because he's going to open a chain, a chain of stores, he needs to find and scout a bunch of locations, right? He figures the best way to do this is to buy a small used airplane along with his brother Bud, who had been a pilot during the war. So that's exactly what they fucking did. And they just flew around and landed places and went, this is a nice place, I don't know about this one. They eventually found a second location in Ruskin Heights, a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri, which that Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri stuff. That 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 thing's jacked. That's up. done just that's, to confuse us. That's like Metric system. Yes. <laughs> Fucking assholes. But, you know, what is this shit like? It's, you know, I'm thinking about, like, relocating my five and dime store, so... Hey, let's buy a plane. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, they're not relocating. They're opening, they're opening a second store. 
They're, I know, but, but you know what I'm saying. In, like, let's in, just buy a plane. In, yeah, in misery next to Kansas City, right? And so he went on to open around 16 stores, most in, mostly in smaller rural rural communities, to a fair amount of success. So moving on up. If you if you can be the only game in town, that's you are guaranteed plan. to be able to succeed. Well, if it, well, you're the only game. To be sure, he's not the only game. He's the game with the lower prices and the larger selection. Correct. What he's doing, and we're going to get to it, is he's moving in and he's shutting down the five and dimes that got his fucking start. He's shutting down stores like right. he started with. So, there's it's that. It's going to suck to say it like this, but hello, that's kind of what having a better business model does. It ends up not being a better business model, but... In 1962, he changed his path a bit. His chain of stores had become basically five-and-dime stores, and he had been studying the retail atmosphere for years. This made him decide that what America needed was, a, was variety stores in rural and developing areas. Whereas Sears, Kmart, and Target all started around the same time, they focused on urban centers. This set Walton aside from the pack, and he opened his first Walmart with the name Walmart on the outside. I finated back then. In Rogers, Arkansas. By 1967, the Walton family owned 24 stores and was bringing in $12.7 million a year. 1967. See, this is the weird thing to me because I never associate Sears with like an urban environment. I, it's always like a – so it's not rural. I don't really associate Sears and, and everything else you mentioned with rural, but it's suburban, you know. That's because you grew up. With Saks Fifth Avenue, nineteen sixty-five. Well, because they didn't have Seven. they didn't have Sears for you know they didn't right. There wasn't a Sears. You in had New York. Saks Fifth Avenue. Yeah, and and Sears was the big big thing in like capital cities across the country. And yeah, I don't and think when so. You, when you've got you know the the, well, the Sears the Roebuck was kind of stores that you have in New York City, well. it's it doesn't allow for a Sears. Sears Roebuck had. A, a mail order model as well. True. Which was kind of that's where they started Sears out. Sears also at, sold they, lawnmowers, and who in New York City needs a lawnmower? Well, I'm t- just saying, like, you know, <laughs> but there, I've lived in other cities. I've lived in other cities, and I never really saw, like, Sears, like, right in downtown. Oh, every, every place I've ever lived, yeah. Almost every capital city in this country. Yep. Not Boston. Yep. Again. <laughs> Again, you you with the Eastern Seaboard. Sears was like an Eastern Seaboard store. Like I, you know, I'd go out to the suburban areas, and like there'd be like Sears all over the place. So I, I don't really understand. It wasn't rural. He was kind of he was starting. It was with, suburban. Sears was like suburban. Right. We're talking they, about Walmart here. Yeah. So he's going half a degree off again. I think he's, he's going, going from suburban to rural. I think Not we city are, to rural. I think we're arguing nuances we're that don't actually point. matter. We're belaboring yes. a point. I blame myself. That $12 million was $101. $101 million nowadays? Uh-huh. Fuck. 24 stores, is that right? Yep, 24 stores. So another thing that set Walton apart, and his, or Walton is Walmart stores aside, was that they were still family-owned. Most of his competitors, like Kmart, had gone public and gotten tons of money and growth ability in that money. Walmart had to do the same thing, and they went public in 1970 at $16.50 a share, which is pretty high for 1970 bucks. 
And they were listed in the New York Stock Exchange in 1972. So that's then your that's tantamount of publicly traded. This was a boost uh, that Walmart really needed, and by the by 1980 they had expanded quickly. This also meant that Walton had to build on another factor that kept him ahead: distribution centers within a day's drive of every single store. There was now a distribution center that could get to. Every store within a day. And that, that's the huge thing. If you're going to have all of the product, you have to be able to have the product there. So mm-hmm. your big rigs, you have to, you have to invest in fl- uh, fleets of trucks. You have to invest in rail cars. That's one of the differences, just quick on the fleets, between him and other people, is that most people hired trucking companies. Mm-hmm. He created a trucking company. Correct. Yeah, yeah it's... To do this, yeah. So, I mean, I will give him some notes for really good job, business acumen, like skills. Oh, he, he <laughs> as far as business I mean, acumen, he did kind, things correct. Like, and I left all the philanthropy <coughs> out of here. So they, there are a few things that are nice about them, but ultimately kind of an asshole family. But mainly because why the fuck should anybody make that much money? Well, back, back, Because they can? <laughs> back then in the 70s, if you didn't have your own truck fleet you were dealing with the teamsters and that's that's when jimmy hoffa was legitimately arguably the second most powerful man in the world and next only the antichrist and evil yeah, yeah. <laughs> or jesus i mean the no matter how you, you know, look at it <laughs> back back then you know it was, it was crazy so it, so yeah he's he, that's a pretty decent idea, having a distribution center that close. And he's the only guy doing it. Somewhere around 1975, Walton got inspired by a trip to Korea. More directly, a manufacturing plant at that time. So 1975, Korea was a real charming place. Uh, he saw that the employees were gathered to do an energetic chant before going to work and thought it would work for him back home. He introduced the Walmart chant in quotes. Uh-huh. Essentially, a rather degrading work practice. You can find videos all over showing just how bad it is. If you want to find one, John, and want to play it for you all, or if you know you guys know what it is, we can skip that. But what it is, is give me a W, an A, an L, a squiggly, an M, an A, an R, a T. What's that spell? Walmart. Whose Walmart is it? Mine. Who's number one? The customer. Always. Okay. Oh, no. It's 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 a rat it's, hole. <laughs> it's also. Have you ever watched the movie Gung Ho? That's it's, exactly yes. Okay, it's it's a common practice. Good call. I should watch that movie again. That's a great. One. It is a common practice, and there are times when it is a viable team building exercise. Well, I mean, building energy is. You okay. just don't like it because you feel it's demeaning. Building energy is okay, but if you watch this, it is very demeaning. 1975, everything was demeaning. Well, I think you're, <laughs> Bill Bottoms, dude, come on. I think you're kind of like a little bit time out of place here because, like, back then yeah. in the mid 70s was the the crash of the American auto industry, the crash of the American uh, electronics industry. We didn't make TVs. We didn't make you know any electronics anymore we didn't make cars anymore than anybody wanted well, you find a so there was a, there was a huge just type in walmart thing. So get probably the best one right, go. 
I'm, no, what were you saying? I'm having John look something up. Go ahead. That's why I was mumbling. No, that's okay. Forget it. <sighs> Rupert, seriously. I'm saying that <laughs> in the 70s, it was very apparent. Zenith was a company that ran commercials regarding this. That uh, The American mass production consumer goods stuff was going by the wayside. Our manufacturing base was going downhill, and the Japanese were killing us. And so, you know, Sam Walton at this point was like one of many who went to Japan to look at their employee practices, and this chanting thing was like all over the place. Everybody was into it. Like he was not the only one into it. Everybody was into all of this kind of stuff, you know, where they were into this, like, you know, Japan was into this, like, team spirit well, and, kind well, of thing. Well, and that thing. ran in well into the 80s, like John mentioned, with Gung Ho, which was the early 80s Keaton movie. And and it was part of the, the ethos. I agree. Yeah. yeah. But that the fact that it's gone to the level that it is now, which I'm going to press pause if John wants to play yeah, this. it's not going to matter. Or you want to skip it? My, yeah. I mean, I could show you the video of it, but... No, I mean, I, that's, I've seen a million of them. Oh. I mean, it's like... It's it's an interesting rabbit hole, and honestly, has gotten to, in my opinion, a very degrading level. Maybe you don't agree. I don't think... I, I mean, is it really done here to the same extent it was then? It's a phenomenal it? level right now. It's a TikTok level now. No, I, mean, I think like... No, literally, it's on TikTok. I think now it's like they do they do subtle bullshit like they call it a Walmart fight song. They they they, they refer to people uh, on the PA system as attention target team members rather than you know. Uh, it's like, it's you know it's a hard pill to swallow for me. Anyway, so this brings up another thing, yet another thing that set Walmart aside from most of his competitors. They were a quote quote discount center. This meant that they supplied similar products to those offered by Sears and the like, but they did it at a, quote, discount. What was uh, already starting to happen is that the Walton or Walton was sourcing goods from developing countries like Korea, which I just mentioned. Korea. That's what he was there for. Korea. He was not there to so? research their manufacturing. He was there to buy stuff. So? Hold up. <laughs> and and uh, so he was sourcing it from overseas and developing countries with working standards that would not pass in the U.S., this meant he, no could way. Get, he could get products at no. super low prices. Another way he was keeping the marriage good for him, or, or well, that's not the way it's. Another way he was keeping. I don't know what that. You did that to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, like spell check help me with that one. Anyway, no, another way shit was like working Kamala well for Harris him or... and his family and his investors was to keep wages at a much lower level than many of his competitors. Both things the company is still very well known for. So this is where true business practices aren't really great. You don't. You don't. He he was talking about having happy employees that presented a happy atmosphere, and we got our cheer and all that. And the only way you really should be able to do get that out of a person is to pay them appropriately, in my opinion. There's intrinsic and extrinsic motivations. Extrinsic, yes. Money. Money is a good thing. Sometimes people stick around, though, because they... Don't have they, an option. Or they, they're appreciative of having a job. Or they don't want to have more responsibility. 
If you get somebody that goes from having a lot of All responsibility... Right, let's not philosophize the underpaid because it goes on forever. <laughs> Should people be paid what they're worth? Definitely. Yes. So all of this was working great for Sam Walton and his associates. There were up to 125 stores scattered throughout Arkansas, Kansas, Louisiana, Missouri, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, Mississippi, and Texas. Basically, the Riviera, the United States. <laughs> basically, they were all over the U.S. South. Yes, <laughs> sales were over 340 million dollars a year at this point in time. By 1980, they would cross the one billion mark faster than any company at the time had done. They were also up to 267 stores and 21,000 employees. So 1980, they're stretched all across American South. With the growth of large savings clubs like Costco, which is another Facebook hand, and Pace. Do you guys remember Pace? Yeah, I remember that. Wow. <laughs> That's a throwback. I threw that in because I figured at least one yeah. of you would remember that shit. We were Pace members. Yeah. Yep. There was a Costco just across the street. We were Pace members. Anyhow, with the with the advent of Costco and Pace and those kind of large savings clubs coming in, Walton saw another opportunity. And in 1983, he opened the first Sam's Club in Midwest City, Oklahoma, which is a well-named city. Uh, a giant store that offered discounts to members. They would also let you park your camper in their parking lot overnight. Couple this with the Sam's Club stickers on the bumpers of the vehicles that did stay overnight, and they had an inadvertent advertising tool in their hands. People took notice and would visit Sam's Clubs and Walmarts across the country. But by God, were their hot dogs still good enough? I, I mean, why? Because you could camp there, and any supply you might need was Is in right that there. store. So if you... Yeah, you could go ahead. You could take off. You could go, and if you're on a cross-country trip, it's really easy to sit there and pull in and be like, okay, you well, know what? I don't need to park at the KOA today. I can just use my own tanks. And be- I can get up. I can do all my shopping, and then I can move on to the next leg of my it journey. It became a safe haven for like people that were following the fish or the dead or whoever around that time. For that kind of because they could park in the parking right. lot and anything they needed was right there. And as long as they uh-huh. spent a couple bucks, they could also use the bathroom. Like, it was... Way to get some money, I agree. But my God, they but had to hire a bunch of people to clean the bathrooms. I, I couldn't even... You can't get the smell of patchouli out that easily. Well, that guy that we spoke about earlier that died by getting trampled, that <laughs> right. was... They called him a service worker, but that was roughly his job. So, in 1988, they took another large leap and opened the first of their Walmart super centers. These included groceries to furniture, pets, auto parts, sporting goods, anything anyone could want. Yeah. The supercenters were literally pretty much, you want to buy fucking tires, you buy fucking tires. It right. was, and, and a bag of granola and, uh, you know, some goldfish. They're, but honestly, not dissimilar crackers from Fred and Myers. the animals. What's that? Not dissimilar from Fred Myers. True. Uh, although significantly larger. Significantly larger. But either way. You know, the first time I ever was in a Walmart Super Center, it was super, super, because it was a Walmart Super Center in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> and you never seen anything. This is actually the first time I've ever actually asked for sales help at a actually, Walmart. You asked for sales help at a Walmart? Yeah. Okay, did you, you are a special kind of crazy. <laughs> but, but did you do it just... 
to be that guy? No, I honestly didn't did know. You, did you honestly need help? No, I honestly didn't know. I, I needed help. Question. <laughs> I needed help because uh, you're also one so of the most the, getting lost in his guys I've ever known. And for for those of us, for okay. those of us who don't know, like a super center is like they sell tires. They sell um, thimbles and needles and greeting cards, <laughs> and the key thing that makes a Walmart supercenter a supercenter really is <laughs> is they sell um, groceries. And so I'd never been in a place where I could buy a two by four and some Records. ground beef at the same time. So um, I was like hanging out there in like Birmingham, Alabama, and I was like, "What the fuck is this giant store?" And so I went in there. And I was just sort of like wandering the aisles and stuff. And, you know, they're like, oh, like, can I help you? Can I help you? You know, because they want to get me out of the store. And um, finally I came up on it and I was like, can you explain to me what this is? And they were like, well. This is a thimble. It's a turkey stuffed with a duck, stuffed with a hen. And I was like, like, it's. All stuffed inside of each other? You met a turducken. And they're like, yeah, that's why it's called a turducken. It's like all sort of put inside of each other. And I was like, how do they grow that? Like, what does this animal look like? Oh, fuck. You were doing it just to be a typical Rupert. Yeah, it did move from actually looking for help to... How can I park sideways and take up four spaces? And I realized in that moment, like... I I just... I don't even know how to cook this thing. (laughs) Not only that, I'm not sure I've ever met somebody who's had this. Have either of you ever had one? No. No. Why would I want that? I don't know. Like, i got to get through bones to get to <laughs> more bones to get to more bones. See, but, this, but they don't. There's a bunch of horse shit. I, I'm not they sure that's them. true. They debone them. I think it's all deboned. Oh, and oh great. Even worse. I definitely don't want this because I'm the only fucking fool other than you two that might go through the effort to do this. <laughs> Hell no. If you made it, I'd eat it. But no, please don't waste your fucking time as childs. I was just like, <laughs> where do they even make this? How horrific must it look where they make this thing? It's got to make like a rendering plant look like the Ritz. So, my God. (laughs) So, all this shit that they sell, which apparently includes (laughs) turducken, much of it was manufactured overseas in countries that allowed for cheap labor practices, as I mentioned, and purchasing in bulk. No way. Distributed through Walmart's own distribution centers using their Mm -hmm. own trucking system. All well-paying people, they hire substandard wages. But in 1988, or but 1988 also saw the launch of their satellite communications system. This allowed for an almost immediate voice, data, and even video communication. It is said to be the largest private satellite communications network in the world at that time. That's the internet. It was their own <laughs> private internet, pretty I think much. It- well, yes, like they beat yeah. they beat the airline reservation system, <laughs> and it probably works. Oh, better. the airline reservation system still didn't work. So yeah, totally. <laughs> they, they, the airline system. There's like there's three guys pushing that car on the NASCAR track right now. Yeah, the airline reservation <laughs> system. That was the original internet. You know who's behind Anybody them? Who, though? The postal system's right behind them. You youngsters, they don't, only got two guys pushing. You youngsters the car. don't know, but like <laughs> they're the ones that ripped the fucking floor plan out. And they're doing the Flintstone. <laughs> Fucking Walmart had this handled in eighty eight. 
Yeah, like, like no, the airline reservation system was like, you know, 60s. It was like the first internet. That was where the internet came from. All right, Mr. Gore. So, the last thing that happened to Walmart in 1988 is that Sam Walton decided to retire from his position as CEO. Handing the chair to David Glass. Choice name. Who is that? Some other son-in-law? Here's a big multi-billion dollar no, company. He, he actually ended up involved in a bunch of other large companies, but none of them were funny enough to note. You can look it up. It's Any in, relation to Ira Glass from NPR? No. There's no relations in this entire story. Uh, only the Waltons. Only, only, the, <laughs> only the people who and married. Not, and, and not the 70s TV series. Yeah. But there's enough of them to make that. They just got married. Good night, John like, boy. Can I have 20 grand? <laughs> so. Fuck, even 20 grand now would make me happy. I'd take 20 grand today's dollars. I could buy a tank of gas. <laughs> so Walton would stay on as chairman of the board, but he was, go- he was aging and it was best that he stepped down into a less stressful position. As the 1990s rolled in, Walmart was the, the third largest retailer in the U.S., behind Kmart and Sears. Yep. Wow. Ha! That's kind of nutty. In 90? Yeah. Yep. I, th- I, th- I would have thought they had them beat by 90. That's nope. crazy. No, because they're still, they're still just in the South for the most part. Jacqueline Smith was 10 years retired from Charlie's Angels doing her Kmart line. <laughs> like crazy. That's late in the game. I can't believe that. <laughs> It's like nuts. I thought they had them beaten like the early '80s. So uh, remember the ways that they achieved this weren't really in the better interest of Americans, but they had made it to third. Wow. No, I can't write it without it. There's a lot of judgment. (laughs) Jesus, you're very right. I feel like I'm in a church. Why have we not done Walmart till now? This is why. Why did this start in Utah? Because we're in a church. And and every fucking snide jab I got, I'm gonna. Play. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say every single one. Wow. And if I have to wait, I will. Have you considered becoming a Baptist minister? So 1990 saw continued expansion with the first stores in California and Pennsylvania. So they finally get out of the South. The first site outside of the Belt states, basically. Well, out of the Midwest. Uh, well, Belt states. Uh, other than one smaller one that had opened, there was a smaller one. I think it was in Jersey that had opened earlier, but it was. It was not yeah, a Nobody note. cares about Jersey. This was a big deal, California and Pennsylvania. This was just the beginning. In 1991, they expanded into Mexico, followed by Canada in 94. They were not only international now, but the top retailer in the U.S. Yeah, Mexico and Canada. Four That's years, they went from third to first top retailer in the U.S. In so 19- it's almost like that glass dude kind of knew how to successfully expand a business and jump a couple of th- jump a couple of places in four years. It was the trajectory they're on, anyhow. So there's that. But I mean, Glass was not noted to be stupid. The the guy was again. They appointed a reasonable businessman to run the fucking company. Uh, and I mean, and Walton was still in there in the in the curtains, you know. So 1992, Sam Walton was awarded the U.S. Medal of Freedom. I couldn't figure out why. And well, for enslaving people. Probably. And he, notes, and he notes the company's desire to help their shoppers by saving them money. He died a few months later on April 5th, 1992. So literally just months. Today, as I write that, that like, the best I was way to writing it. personal tax liability I've ever fucking heard of. <laughs> Ten days before personal taxes are due, 
you croak. Fucking beautiful, man. Nipe. And I wrote that line on the 20th anniversary of his death. Let me tell you, when I'm doing my taxes <laughs> and that question comes up and it says, is the person filing this return deceased? I, I, I get real close to checking that. So I'm just like, you know, if I just check this, sell my motorcycle, sell my stereo, move to Baja, you know, uh, it's, it's, it sounded good. It sounded good, yeah. <laughs> So he died from some weird form of blood cancer, a relatively uncommon form of blood cancer. His son, Robert, took over as chairman of the board, and another son, John, took over as director until he died in a 2005 plane crash. The rest of his holdings were just... Was Kennedy flying it? It seemed like it might have been one of those. (laughs) I didn't didn't look too deeply into it. Good night, John Boy. But yeah, it did seem like it was one of those. Seriously, good night, John Boy. Well, you remember the plane thing earlier when they were scouting areas. It it could have become a family thing to just, you know... Anyway. um, Well, if you've got nothing better to do, why don't learn how to fly a plane? With that much money? Fuck yeah. What's that happens to rock stars (laughs) and rich people? They die in plane crashes. The rest of his holdings... Not you, schmuck. The rest of his holdings, that's why I'm not scared to go up in a plane. <laughs> None of us are going to die in a plane You'll live. crash. I'm not fucking cool crashes, enough. we live. I am not cool enough. I'll be in Lost. <laughs> my legs will be telescoped into my fucking hips. I will never walk again. We will yep. winky won't wink anymore. So um, I'm going to get run over in the parking lot waiting for my tires to get changed. Because you park <laughs> sideways across four slots. It's just like waiting for my tires to get changed, run over by a bus. It would be the most ignominious thing possible. It's going to be an establishing case. It's, there's going to be a new term. It's called justifiable the manslaughter. It's called the Rupert. <laughs> the Rupert. It's the Rupert defense. The Rupert precedent. <laughs> the Rupert defense. <laughs> justifiable manslaughter. Actually, it's a thing for me. Like every, you, like you get your tires changed, and then you worry about getting in a wreck. That's like my biggest fear. Every time I get the oil changed or my tires changed, I get fucking paranoid. Only about, if I have them work on my suspension or my steering or something like that. Do I, get, I worry about a wreck? I get, fu- <laughs> I, I get just paranoid. A semi is going to hit me if I got new tires or you know. Dude, even if, I, move, I move to full coverage. I'm actually. You're being <laughs> full coverage on that. Yes, you're kidding. Your deductible to. is worth your car. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what you're going to get. Actually, no, um, no but I, I just need to be able to. Anyway, but, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, where was I? Holy shit. The rest of his holdings were dispersed to his wife and remaining son, Jim, who is chairman of Arvest Bank. So not like he needed a big old slice of the Walmart pie, but... He's one of the sons, so be a banker. Yeah, I'm running a bank, but I got some spare time. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, right. The family held five of the top ten richest people in the U.S. spots until 2005. Then then what came along? Purdue Pharma? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking people. Uh, the internet, technically, but we're not quite there. The 1990s were a period of exponential growth. Some of this was funded by some pretty high-risk loans they took out to subsidize the construction of tons of new supercenters. The gamble paid off quickly, and those debts were settled with a profit on top. By 1990, I missed whatever number, so I'm going to guess... 98. Let's go with it. By 1998, they were the largest private employer in the world. And two years later, they passed ExxonMobil as the wealthiest company in the world. That's crazy. They beat Boeing? That's nuts. And ExxonMobil. No, no, no. For oh, employees. For yeah. 
Because like Boeing at one point they 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 had the most employees in the nineties. Yeah, they took over most em- and largest actually, largest private employer in the world. They're actually making something. <laughs> yeah, planes that don't fly, but might crash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyhow, in two thousand, H. Lee Scott took David Glass place as CEO again. They're doing a really good name with job with these names of these people. Uh, all these guys got these massive belt buckles, right? You know, like dinner, well, they're all from that area. It's of the like world, a dinner yes. platter, you know. <laughs> you could serve it to ducking on that. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So, Glass Health was failing, so that's kind of why they brought in H. Lee Scott. By 2005, Walmart had more than 6,200 stores throughout the world, with 3,800 of those in the U.S. It'd become wait wait so they got like twenty four hundred and four. No, no, no it's, it's half and half. Thirty eight and thirty eight is sixty two. So thirty eight hundred of them in the states, and the other thirty eight. Thirty eight and thirty eight is seventy six. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I had it. So at any rate, they, they, they you were got, a lot closer than I was. <laughs> you know, so they got like twenty four hundred stores in foreign lands. Mm-hmm. Like where? Every from everywhere from Mexico to China. Japan, Germany, that'll come up soon. 2.2 million associates worldwide. 1.5 million Korea. employee. You know, stores in the U.S. Everywhere. If we've got a... Tur- they have stores in Saudi. If, if we've got yeah. a turducken in Birmingham, Alabama, what the fuck do they have in the Walmart Supercenter in Beijing? They got a fucking crazy... Sushi. They got... In, uh, in Beijing. Yeah, maybe. In Dubai, maybe. they probably got camel. <laughs> Next, yeah, it is the cow camel, the cow camel, the cow camel lamb. It's, <laughs> it's a cow camel lamb. Cow camel lamb. Yes, Sahib. <laughs> if it be you buy, <laughs> it had become hard to be more than sixty miles from a Walmart in the U.S. Uh, yeah, it's not impossible because there are some dead areas, but. If you live anywhere near a fucking town, you're the only, probably 60 miles or less from a, from a Walmart. The only thing closer than Which that is... an hour or less. The only thing closer than that is like some jack-off who blasts foreigner on their back deck. So in 2006... Those guys. <laughs> shop at Walmart. There's a lot of foreigner records sold at shop Walmart. <laughs> Lots of foreigner records. I'm sorry, I actually like kind of... There was a quote I almost used for one of the intros, and I can't remember who said it, but it was somebody of foreigner-level fame, where they said, (laughs) what's fucked up is when you go into the studio knowing that you're going to have to bargain with companies like Walmart about what your fucking record album cover looks like. (laughs) It's sad, because, like, foreigner... But it's true. Foreigner actually has some songs I like. Unlike certain other bands where they are my most hated. They're, they're really more hated, but somehow they're not as funny. Like, I don't like any Journey songs. That's exactly will, what was in my head. I will always switch the channel on Journey songs. But, like, Don't you know, stop believing, man. You'll get there. I, I, They're a lighter band. You know, they're just like. For somebody who's always so hot-blooded. Four and a four. Know, you know, you, you could take it back and you could, you know, move back to Boston and be cold as ice. 
Foreigner 4 is like a straight up, let's make a radio play album. It is like ridiculous. It's like Foreigner 4 is like the Eagles distilled into high test Eagles. Oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. Nothing. Okay, there are a few things, oh, fuck. but We're very few things are as bad as the Eagles. And I'm just going to say, ah, Foreigner is not one of them. Foreigner really? is... Really? You haven't thought about this. Foreigner is Think shoes about that it. almost fit. Think. Eagles is hand-me-down shoes that don't fit. With holes in the soles. Yeah, just like <laughs> no good. All right, moving forward, because this is, this is a topic for another time. In 2006, He's right? <laughs> in 2006, Walmart, Walmart. I think we can all hate on the Eagles. We like, can do you all hate, hate on the Eagles. The world <coughs> Actually, be a you've place. got it rough because I bet you strippers want to dance to the Eagles. No, no, they do not. No, they don't. Nah, no, really? Not yeah, yeah. Ah, I'm surprised. The Eagles are moving on up there with like Blink 182 and some of those other like just. Actually, they're listening hate, to the Eagles everybody before Blink 182. <laughs> yeah, it's, but they're moving into that everybody hates them area. <laughs> yeah. I would so, have thought strippers would no dance to Hotel California because they're not fifty. No. I just strippers aren't fifty years old. Their patrons are with the soggy ones at the loggers convention, dude. No, no they're not. I don't think he understands. Not everybody is that is a logger is fifty. They're the in ones fact, that sort of kind the of ones with the soggy tens, <laughs> but they have tens. I don't care. Go. Thank you. I don't care. Perfect. In, in 2006, Walmart announced it was pulling out of Germany entirely. They sold their 85 stores to Metro Group. The reason given is that they had overestimated their ability to convert the notoriously quality-driven German buyers to their less expensive products. This was perhaps their first failure. Shit, they had China's, They had stores in China that were working. They could buy shit from Chinese people and sell it back to them. And that was working. But the Germans were like, we don't like this. <laughs> we can't even make this shit better. We can't make it better. Get rid of it. Yeah, well, no, yeah it, big it talk from the, big talk from the Russian was, gas crowd. It was, it was largely a, a quality thing. <laughs> they, wouldn't accept, they wouldn't accept the lower quality import shit that Walmart yeah. was having made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, and they're buying all that commie gas all day long. Yeah. Tell me about it. Okay, BMW, go. Tell you what. When you ride a bike as much as the Germans do, then you can talk to me about gas prices. They also don't put up with shit that doesn't last or work correctly. And that's exactly what almost everything I've ever gotten from a Walmart has been. So, just saying. That's part of the You've reason You've only left. been into a Walmart once. No, you were with me the last time I was in a Walmart, but that's not the only time I was in a if Walmart. If you buy something at it's Walmart... Been 12 years. <laughs> if you buy something at Walmart and expect it to last some length of time, you're the kind of jack-off who goes to Harbor Freight thinking to buy an har- uh, heirloom tool. You're that idiot. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, true. There's billions of those people. Well... They still keep going back because it's it's the boot thing. It's hey, you know what? I can only afford twenty dollars on a pair of shoes. Well, why don't you just buy these because they'll last five times longer? Because they're eighty dollars. I can't afford those, but I can't afford twenty. And or you can go to Walmart and buy the jeans that last longer than anything ever made by man. Uh, that's no, because they're not made out of 
the, anything that the Walmart resembles. jeans are the cheapest jeans you can buy and they last longer than anything and you can trust me because like I weld and I cut metal and I I put my jeans through heavy things and, and and like if my jeans last less than 10 years that I buy at Walmart it's an event buy a pair of Levi's they're gone in six months shitty jeans three times the price one of us here doesn't care about fashion. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about fashion when I'm covered in shit. So, <laughs> moving forward. I spend most of my day covered in shit. All of all of this growth. Unbeknownst coming, to you with my eloquent locution on this broadcast, but it's true. All of this growth coming from ideals that cut upward mobility away from everyone other than those at the top of Walmart's ladder has landed them in some pretty serious public hot water. Ooh. There have been countless class action suits filed by employees and former employees suing for unpaid wages. There have been a ton of racial discri- discrimination cases. Two became so high profile at the same time that Jesse Jackson spoke at both trials. Sexual discrimination is rampant Holy as cow. well. If Jesse Jackson's there, it's legit. Ooh, you're going to earn my name real quick. Ooh, Sexual yeah. discrimination is rampant as well. In Ooh. 2004, USA Today reported an existing 32 cases in that year alone. Walmart skates on almost all of these cases. All right. I'm not going to testify to the veracity or the truthfulness of any of those cases. I am not going to say that uh, the person or persons who brought those suits didn't have valid argument. I am going to say that when you have a company that deals with millions of employees, you will have an abnormally larger number of lawsuits simply because there are more people that there to do it. And if by some chance somebody decides that hey you know what i'm not getting paid enough it's not going to fit into this suit these things are going to happen if you've got 20 people to draw from you might have one that's fucked that's getting fucked if you have 200,000 you maybe you got 50 you got 2 million you got a shit ton of people you better have good lawyers. You better have the ability to conduct your business in that way because you have more than just yourself to look at. This isn't just the Walton family that's making money here. They're also protecting their... Oh, Investors. You, there you go. Stockholders. Who are the true owners of the Walt, Walmart company right now. Which is mostly... The same people that are on the stock market in the index... They're... To, Mostly public employees, pension funds, that kind of thing. This is, but they're the clan. They're the clan. This yeah, is, they're racist. This yeah. is a bit unfounded, but I do believe that the Walton family, at this point in time, especially or at least, still owned the controlling interest in the company. I could be wrong. I didn't write that down or track when that change happened. But they're the clan. They got. The, I don't think I've said anything like that. Well, there's there's a reason why white sheets are cheaper. There, there's. That that still is, I won't say it's irrelevant. It, I will say that it is a secondary consideration because no matter how much of a controlling interest they own, if that stock price plummets, then their controlling interest is now going from, let's just make numbers easy, 
$100 per share to $1 per share. So congratulations, you're controlling interest. You have controlling interest in absolutely nothing any longer. You have controlling interest in a failed company that you have to bail out. All right, out let's, of. Uh, let's 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 move on. They like, have to protect. Let, let's move on. Come the on. stock price. Come on. As mentioned at the top of the show on November twenty eighth, two thousand eight, Walmart employee, and I apologize, it's a difficult name. Jim Dimitai. Jim Dimitai. Damore was trampled to death as Walmart opened their Black Friday doors. Three days later, his family sued for wrongful death. At the same time, OSHA occupied safety and health administration for those outside the U.S. and don't know. Um, You're right, occupational. Uh, Cited Walmart for inadequate crowd management, as I mentioned. Walmart reportedly spent over $2 million to fight the $7,000 fine from OSHA. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I can see it. They're protecting their name. Yeah, I, they have I, to. I, I see what the drive is. Again, well, this, it's, this is for, it's a consequential is, damage. Like, yeah. you know, it, come on. If they don't spend that kind of money, then they have to protect the stockholder share here. I'm That's trying to figure mean. out why somebody was suing for seven grand. No, that was the OSHA fine. Oh, the OSHA fine was seven yeah. grand because yeah. somebody got trampled upon their premises. Yeah, if they'd okay. have lost the OSHA. The family sued for significantly more, and I didn't okay. look up, I okay. didn't look up okay. the right. way the case came Losing out. Losing OSHA in that instance would have given more credibility to the civil suit that was there yeah, yeah, from yeah, the yeah, family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they had about. to fight here big time, so they wouldn't have to fight as hard over here. Because this one's worth a whole ton of money. I think John's keen insight is what's going on there. Yeah. They also referred to it kind of as a precedent center or center because if they were to blame for this employee's death, then any future deaths could be blamed on employers and it would be a weird precedent center. And I, I, I don't know that I agree with allowing your employee to get trampled should be allowed. I, well, the, nobody's this, arguing this that. Is where I, this nobody's is where my, this where my libertarian self that. struggles with yeah. myself. Nobody said that was okay. But they had... Huh. It, it's just in this instance, they had to protect the business and the stockholder. I hear that. I just like... But to what end is kind of where I land. I, Again, this is where I struggle with myself. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the company has also been a frequent target in the fight to keep local businesses alive and large chain stores like this out of communities. There's, uh, there are significant numbers of reports that show that there was a steep decline of mom-and-pop shops in markets that Walmart entered. That seems to have been curbed a bit lately, but only because, I mean, by my judgment, only because they are so prolific now that anyone still standing has probably already weathered the storm. So... That's kind of the situation or the reason I think that there's still mom-and-pop stores and it, that number has dwindled a bit. But uh, So Walmart has also been uh, long, long been open about its anti-union stance. This is based mostly on their desire to continue to offer substandard, substandard wages and protect profits. There have been many claims over the decades stating that a Walmart employee working full-time can still earn low-income benefits from the government. Still kind of happens. Uh, they're not the only ones. 
Not exactly, not exactly a low bar there. Like you know, to, they're, to they're earn, not the only ones in this case. To earn yeah. low low income benefits from the government is like most. Yeah, I, I think that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because they have such a high employee count, they're an easy target for it. But there's certainly you know companies out there with a hundred thousand employees. 10,000 employees. You pretty much paraphrase paraphrase my final sentence in that paragraph, yes. That do nothing other than pay substandard wages. But when you have so many employees, you're an easy fucking target. It's not even substandard because if it was substandard, why are these people working there? Because they could, you know. Because because, they don't have an option. Well, then why wouldn't you go to the standard wage? Because they don't. If the standard wage is X, why are you going to X minus two? Because they don't have. Because that means because the job profits. market doesn't have it. So then the standard and wage your skill level doesn't have it. Yeah. So because not everybody has an electrical. So then the degree. standard wage is actually the standard wage. I mean, I'm, I'm no. arguing about like the phrasing the here standard because wage is like the median. Wage. I understand. Okay, so I, everybody I, here is like selling themselves short that the standard wage is higher and they're getting paid substandard wages because they're just too stupid to figure out that the standard I wage understand is here. that the terminology is a little strange. The socially accepted term of standard wage really should and has been being changed to the socially accepted word living wage. I understand the terminology is a little strange. Yeah, because that's like the constant argument so, where it's like, right. let's so change just the language. Every time I said standard and say living in place of that. And can you just move along from that then? Or you, no, because like you're constantly you using the phrase where it's like, I'm not arguing it's a good wage. It's not. You don't get paid a good wage there. But like to argue it's substandard when you have endless people taking it, it seems like that's the standard wage for like, you know, zero. You're bringing basically zero to the job, you know, uh, entry-level job. Again, you know, they're, they're taking the, the only wage that's available at their skill level. Right. Okay. So, Which should be can, enough okay. money to live on. Why? Just, Why? Um, I'm kind of with him on this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Last paragraph. These things have earned them a bit of a stinky reputation, but not enough to topple the giant retailer. The only thing that seems to have been a hindrance to their growth is the advent of online organizations or companies like Amazon. This cut into their profits quite a bit, and they have caught up with their own online presence. They continue to grow in profits every year by offering products of lesser and lesser quality every year. It has become a bit of a standard in the U.S. market as well as in many global markets. I clearly have no love for this company or the way that they, by my judgment, do cutthroat business that damages not only the employees but lessens the standards of society, ours as the United States and and everyone else's because they've infected the whole world. And I think that there was a time when people held things to a little bit higher standard and we worked a little harder and 
And and there wasn't such thing as substandard wages. Substandard wages was was much smaller or, or something in a developing country that we could challenge. And now we are in this place where we just accept a less lesser quality of life along with a lesser quality of product for the only benefit of convenience and profit to people who have made way too much money way too fast anyway. And that's one of the reasons I don't like them. And again, one of the reasons I argue with myself. You know, there are a couple of things that I I can look at in this. I like to talk about ethical capitalism. That is you paying attention and you being able to build a sales force, a retail force, um, being able to build a workforce around your company that is happy to be there, that is being paid efficiently, that is being challenged intellectually, that is getting the things that they need from working for you. Do these people do it? No. And I think that maybe one of those problems is as soon as you include public shareholders, you have a person that isn't a person that you have to answer for. You have a ton of people. Every person that has one share of Walmart stock is now a business owner. They own part of your business. And even if you maintain a controlling interest of your business, that's great. You own a controlling business or a controlling interest. You, however, if you make the wrong decision and too many people sell up, sell off everything, if your stock market, if your stock price drops, you have a worthless business now. And, you know, if you're trying to maintain a business that's been around for the last, oh, I don't know, 90 freaking years, then it's important to actually do that. And sometimes you're going to ruffle feathers. Sometimes you're going to make bad decisions. Sometimes you're going to make a decision or somebody's going to make a decision where not the most ethical consideration is being handled. It doesn't mean that your customer base should suffer. It doesn't mean that you as a shareholder should run scared from it. It means that you should invest your money correctly. It means that you should invest in companies that you like the business practices of. If you don't like the business practices of this company, don't do business with them. Don't invest in them. But by God, don't pretend that you understand everything about it when you haven't run a business for the last 90 years. So I'm going to take a small segment of uh, what's going on in, in the ethos of like, oh, I don't shop at Walmart, man, and that whole thing. So I'm just doing a small segment. I'm not doing like the whole issues with Walmart. 
Like, first of all, if you're one of these jack-offs who's just like, oh, I won't shop at Walmart, it's like, first of all, you're not giving up anything. All right, you're going to Target, same thing. Give me a break. Nobody wakes up and is excited about shopping at Walmart. Second of all, this is my small segment thing, is like if you are one of those people who bemoans Walmart moving in and putting mom and pop businesses out of business, maybe you better look at what you're doing. Because if you have ever listened to any of these idiots who say corporations got to start paying their fair share, 90% of corporations are mom and pop. They are type-ass businesses. And every time you start going on, the corporations got to start paying their fair share, you are jacking those mom and pop businesses. You are coming like a shark right at mom and pop businesses and everything that you do that says corporations got to start paying their fair share, it doesn't affect giant corporations. You jack the taxes on corporations. Guess who really pays that? Small type-ass corporations and big corporations like Walmart, they love it. They're the ones encouraging you. When you're like, Jacking the corporate minimum tax. Do you think that Walmart gives two shits about jacking the corporate minimum tax? I don't know where you are. Say your corporate minimum tax is like a hundred bucks a year. Let's say you jack it to a thousand bucks a year. You think Walmart cares about that? They don't. Mom and Pop, they just lost their house payment for a month by you jacking that shit the part-time employee for three months every time some politician comes to you and says we're gonna sock it to corporations believe me that puts mom and pop businesses out of business way faster than walmart ever did you think walmart does gunsmithing you think walmart does leather work you think walmart does shoe repair you think well you know 20 zillion of these things and you wonder why the shoe repair place is gone. Well, maybe because the corporate taxes got jacked. You wonder why the deli on the corner is gone. Maybe because their corporate taxes got jacked. Because they have to be a corporation. Because you're selling a fucking salami on rye. And you don't want somebody to repossess your house because you had bad mayo. You know? And boy... You better run a small business because uh, every time these politicians come to you and say, we are going to make corporations pay their fair share, that means we're going to put more more money in Walmart's pockets. We're going to put more money in Target's pockets, Kohl's pockets, everybody's pockets, but the mom and pop business. And that's how they disappear, is these jack-off politicians saying we're going to make corporations pay their fair share. This sounds like something that friends do. Well, I thought we were friends. I'm extremely uncomfortable with that. I know. Do you know?